Hit it, Phil. Can it be the breeze that fills the trees with rare and magic perfume? Oh, no. It isn't the breeze. It's Jackson time. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. I am joined by Kathy Fuller-Seeley, John Henderson, and Vincent Longo to talk about the Jack Benny Radio Show. Uh, this is, uh, we're going to present an episode from 1947 and then an episode from 1937. And different ones of us have dis- listened to different ones of these different, uh, we've all heard these di- different times, I think, but uh, but we shall see. Um, I was going to go and say, let's turn it over to Vincent, but Vincent sort of left. And now he's- <laughs> I'm back, I'm ready. <laughs> Vincent said he listened to the 1947 episode, and that's the one that starts us off. So I thought I'd turn it over to Vincent. And since we don't get Vincent often talking about Jack Benny, I thought it'd be kind of fun to hear that. So what did you think of the 1947 episode? I loved it. I loved it for a couple of reasons. One is, um, I think as you mentioned in your original uh, recording of this, uh, Jack is clearly like exhausted. And he, in some ways, is less professional, less polished in this episode, but actually think it comes off really nicely. Like, uh, you know, he's very conversational. It's kind of funny, like when he messes up. I actually really liked it. I thought there was a freshness to that. But I also gained um, a really new appreciation of just how hardworking Jack was. And I'll give you a little bit of detail. So this um, Jack Benny, he mentions it many times in this episode, he's performing at the Chicago Theater. And then he's going to the Roxy Theater later. What he's doing is, he's touring what the industry would have called the vaude film circuit at this time. So it's vaudeville is before, and it's, uh, you know, two a day, usually like big time, but this is like in big movie palaces, generally it plays with a film, short films as well, feature film. Uh, and it plays, I would say on average, you would do four. And if you're really ambitious, you do six shows a day. So when he mentions that he's playing eight shows a day, I actually thought he was joking. Um, because that's nearly impossible. Um, you, it was very hard to convince vaudevillians or performers to perform more than four times a day. In fact, some people refused to perform on these circuits because it was more than two or three times a day, which is what they thought was like kept things fresh. And I looked it up and in fact, he did perform one of these days eight times. And to do that, you would have had to start at like eight in the morning and go to one, uh, one at night because these shows lasted two to three hours. It'd be a movie. And so it's just incredible stamina. Um, it actually it makes never sense to be tired, before. right? <laughs> I mean, he would be exhausted. I mean, yeah. you you could not pay some people enough money to do this that many times. And so that was truly incredible. The other thing um, that performing on these circuits uh, explains one of the jokes that's made. So at one point, sort of in the middle of the 47 episode, Mary asks Jack what movie he's playing with. And, he, and she starts laughing. Uh, And he mentions the movie. The movie is, uh, I have it here, Easy Come, Easy Go, a movie from 1947. These circuits, one of the reasons they kept functioning was because Hollywood didn't produce enough sort of major A pictures for every big movie palace. And so they would play like these mediocre films with these live performances of famous people. And so it was this joke that what he was going to be playing alongside was going to be bad. And in fact, this movie was, it was like, 77 minutes, sort of B stinker, no major stars. And then it's made extra funny when she then mentions Jack's own movie, uh, which she sort of compares to this movie, like, oh, remember when uh, the horn blows at midnight played here and it was so bad, the uh, uh, the ticket booth just sort of went away and they didn't want to say what movie was playing. So that was this joke that these 
theaters were known to be playing uh, sort of poor films because they had all these great live performances. That's how they supplemented. So that explains one of the jokes why she thinks this movie and his movie is so funny. Um, it wasn't like a normal big movie theater with all your best movies. So um, yeah, these are a, a rare moment where you get a glimpse of these circuits, which aren't, aren't often talked about. Right. So I really like that episode for that reason. Okay. Excellent. Vincent. Wow. Nice job. <laughs> and anybody else have anything to throw about, about that uh, episode or go oh, ahead. Oh, oh, I would just say, um, even as tired as Jack was, there's always a special love in his voice for playing the Chicago theater and playing in Chicago at all. He um, he really played up, you know, that the Chicago is kind of his second hometown next to Waukegan. And, he, you know, that's you can always tell he's delighted to be in Chicago. Was it a, a previous trip where he led a conga line? From the uh, train station to the theater. Uh, it was this something. one. Yeah, this is the one that he mentions that. Yeah. Right. Okay. Right. Which is wonderful. Um, it is. And then uh, who now I love the fact that when he does these shows, often he brings one of the people that are in the shows onto the radio show. And that's what he did this time. Who is it that he brought on the radio show? I can't remember her name. Did anyone got that? Oh, Marjorie Reynolds. That's right. Marjorie Reynolds. And Marjorie Reynolds. Uh, is a famous right very good she's 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 famous she does a lot of different things um I, I, one of her i don't know i don't know if it's one of her biggest things or anything but i mentioned it in my previous commentary was that she was uh with jackie gleason uh, doing an early oh, yeah. television show where she was on the television show with him and, and did uh, a really nice job um, I'm trying to remember. It was a remake of a radio show. Does anyone remember the radio show that it was? Life of Riley. That's right. Life, Life of Riley. Riley. Right. And that Original was, with William so I, 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 yeah. I appreciated your commentary to talk about the Jackie Gleason version. That's great. From yeah. what I think I remember, Marjorie Reynolds got extra help in her career from Bob Hope. Oh. Um, I, I think that was her. Uh, uh, in the same way that Jack helped Giselle McKenzie with her career. So, yes, yes, <laughs> it would not surprise me. Okay, uh, John, did you have anything to throw out with this one, or did you want to go to 1937 or whatever you want to do? Uh, I, I, I'd like to go to 1937. Go for it. Uh, I've been re listening to a couple of these. Last week's episode is the one I think is usually called the Buck Benny Party. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's a great episode, that's one of my favorites. So, I was curious you know how this would follow that and in some ways they're very different episode uh the last episode is very sort of loose and uh and casual this one seems like old school vaudeville where it's jam-packed with content like almost one-liners throughout the episode their skit which is different for is... jack i mean it certainly it's it, jack's show later on doesn't become that at all but but at this time in 37 he was yeah. still doing it sometimes yeah but sometimes they're just mediocre jokes. Like right. these ones I thought were very original, and especially if you're not used to listening to, you know, old style humor, vaudeville type stuff. I think they're very surprising and, and a lot of fun. And, and again, they just, they just keep on coming throughout the episode. Um, 
even the opening line is Don Wilson introducing him like he does. But this, I thought, was a particularly good one. Uh, you know, it's saying like, oh, you could be going to a movie, but if you're not, you might as well listen to Jack Benny. Like those kind of things. <laughs> I thought they were some really great ones. And then also, you can tell he's, again, got this stage experience uh, and being able to... One of the great things that Jack Benny can do is take a flub, like Vincent was mentioning, and turn it into something hilarious. And at one point, Mary starts laughing while she's saying her line. And Jack says, uh, uh, Mary laughed ahead of time. She knew the joke was going to be funny or something like that. Yes, I remember that. I, saw, I heard that one, too. I was like, OK, that's good. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, another, I'll just mention one more joke because I thought it was really funny because I, I wasn't expecting it. They're doing their schoolhouse skit where they you know pretend like they're in elementary school or whatever and uh you know he asks a question and each of the students says i pass i pass and then one of the characters says uh, i open for two dollars and it's a poker joke and so they go with that i thought it was uh, pretty surprising uh and the guy who says that is a character that i'd never heard before it's sort of a schlepperman type and but he's called papsy so I don't know if this is a recurring character or this is just a, a one-off dialect character that they would eventually turn into the recur recurring role of Schlepperman later on. But uh, yeah, it, it was interesting. I don't know if uh, our greatest historian, uh, Kathy, can uh, find well, that. On our, on... our greatest individual episode historian, Laura. So yes. Yeah, Laura's books are always May, great. For, for about May 10th, May 3rd. May, oh, I'm um, in 36. So, uh, okay. So, what's the date? It's the Mother's Day show. <laughs> yeah, it's the Mother's Day show. Oh, okay. I got it. I got ah. it. So, um, oh, it's Patsy Flick. So, um, Patsy Flick was an old-time vaudevillian who shows up on on Jack's shows in the 30s, um, a fair amount. Uh, um, so his so, na first name is Pat. His middle initial C, C. And his last name is Flick. Flick. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's hard to tell. Is it Patsy? <laughs> no. yeah, well, so, but so there you go. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, and and certainly when Slepperman was gone from the show, Jack would try to usually fill somebody. I, he he didn't like to totally do away with that those bits, and so he would use other people for those bits. And later on, of course, bring in Mister Mister Kitzel to take on some of that piece that that Schlepperman used to do. Right. It turns out that Pat, Patsy, uh, who L Laura calls him Patsy, one word flick, um, uh, was on the show like um, uh, 10 times in uh, 35 and 36. So he was yeah. a fairly much regular back in those days. So, yeah. so there you go. Interesting. Yeah. And it's just, it's interesting to hear these old shows because they're still funny, but they're funny in a different way yes. than later on. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah, really interesting to listen. Well, to. I always think it's interesting to hear them from 10 years apart, to hear the 47 and the 37 and just see how much the show has changed. And like John says, I love the 37 shows pretty much as much as the 47. It's just different. And that's okay. And I'm kind of glad it's different because I think it was always the same we wouldn't enjoy them as much as we do. But the fact that, that the show morphs as it goes, as they're, as they're finding their characters and finding their voice, and then it gets perfected, what, 
I think most of the thing is perfected in the 47, 48, 49 sort of time frame uh, is delightful. And it, and it makes it where it's a great journey. And so I was just uh, talking to a guy on, on uh, Facebook and he says every year he listens from the beginning to the end. He goes through the entire job. And that's a lot of work. That's a lot of listening. So he must have a huge commute or something to get in that many episodes. But I remember when I was first listening to the Jack Benny show, because I was commuting from an hour each way, um, I got through a lot of Jack Benny shows because you're getting through essentially four a day. And so you can get through a lot of them and and uh, what a fun way to listen. And I'm so glad I fell so in love with Jack Benny. And now for years since then, I've, we've been doing these podcasts and these presentations and they're so much fun to do. And I just love Jack from any time frame and love to talk about him. So it's great. Uh, anything else from these shows that we want to point out? Uh, the thing I'll mention is that the 47 show just from happenstance, the way we put it together, we are recording this at the same time we're recording his um, TV show from Australia and how similar those were both times. It's kind of sort of at the end of a, of a tour, both times he's, you can tell he's a little tired and things, um, but, but still trying to put on a great show and does put on a great show. And it, and it's just kind of interesting, the echoes that you see in the Jack Benny career. Also in that Australian one, it's so fun as I think um, Kathy or John, somebody mentioned that that he uh, tries to make things timely and jokes about the Beatles in that one. And it just shows how Jack is always trying to make jokes and, and mention things that keep him kind of up to date and yet doesn't have those be his main focus, whereas other folks do. And so you can't historically watch them and enjoy them as much because you don't know what they're talking about sometimes, their references. Whereas in this case, Jack is so much about the relationships with the different other characters that if you listen to a few Jack Benny shows, they're funny and you and you can get the the jokes. And every once in a while, something will be pointed out that John will hopefully mention and say, oh, here's what he means by that. <laughs> you know, so which is great about John's podcast. Carol, that's such a great point. And that's kind of the difference between him and Bob Hope. Yes. Bob Hope, whose monologues will always be about stuff in the news right then. And so, well, I'm glad that people had the different things to listen to. If every just, to, you know, as you said, right. if everything if everybody was the same and everything was the same year after year after year. So, uh, yeah, but it's just it, like you say, Bob Hope and Fred Allen take more work on the part of the listener for the modern audiences <laughs> to understand what the heck's going on. And some of it is so obscure you can't really even find out what they were talking about. You can type in the person's name that they mentioned in Google and you'll get nothing back uh, because it, because if they, if they were mentioning everything that's going on at the current time, they're mentioning a lot of little things as well as big things. The big things will be in uh, 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 you can find on Google, but the little things, maybe not. Uh, Daryl, like John, that sounds like a challenge. Well, you know, I, I actually us to not be able to find something. I, I have done this 1937 episode on my podcast, This Day in Jack Benny. Yeah. And the early episodes have a ton more references than the yes. later episodes. Plus, the sound quality is not as good. So you have to, like, yeah. listen four times, blasting your ears out to try to even figure out what they're saying, let alone find it. And I remember, you know, doing this episode and 
like it was getting too long. I had to to cut a few things just because the length was out of control. But there were really interesting references if you care to hear it, including uh, Donald Duck is mentioned. Well, it's sort of yes. somebody does a Donald Duck voice in the episode. Yeah, yeah, it's great, and that that's I guess that's one of the things I really like about the old episodes is they do have a little bit more of that. It takes a little more work on the listener's part, uh, but that's okay. Uh, but I do think that that. Bob Hope is a great example that you listen to that. And if every other joke is one that you don't get, it's not going to work. The, the timing, the whole piece, it just all falls apart. Whereas Jack, it's every seventh joke maybe has something in there that you're not 100% sure about. And Jack usually, whereas Bob hits it and moves on. So then you have to go, oh, I don't know what that was about. Whereas Jack will hit something that maybe you don't know about, but the next few lines will reference it more and give you a little more detail. And usually from the con context, you can figure out what he's talking about. Oh, that was a bad movie he's referring to. And so that works. Or that was a really good movie he's referring to. Or that was somebody that was, okay, they were traveling around the world. They were known for their flight that they did across the transatlantic flight or something. It, it's enough to connect the piece that you can usually figure it out without having to really look it up or anything. So, Yeah, a lot of times even the, the celebrity or the reference isn't the joke. The joke, they're just mentioned in a, a totally different joke. Correct, correct. I agree with that. So anyway, I hope you enjoy these two wonderful episodes. We will again... Uh, for my YouTube watchers out there, we will have where we present the script of the 1947 episode as it goes through. So you can follow along with the script, which is fun. Uh, a few weeks ago, we did a 1952 episode, and it reminded me of how fun those are to, to look at the scripts. Because the 1947s, at least so far, they've actually went in through and retyped the script after the fact to make it like it was on the radio, which is lovely for, for a person looking at it or for historical that, that you've got it written the way it was presented, but you don't know what was changed. You just, all you see is the changes that were made. Whereas in the, in 52, I like it better in that they cross things out. And so they go, Oh, we didn't use this bit. So they cross out the bit, but you can still read what the bit was or they, or they cross out a line and show what they changed it to, but you can read the old line and the new line. And that's kind of fun with the 52. Um, the other thing in 50, in the 52, when I presented it a few weeks ago, uh, there was a part where it had the, um, the message, uh, what is it? The, the message that Don does at the end, um, can be about forest fires, can be about a public service announcement, public service. Mm -hmm. announcement. Yeah. So they did that and they had that all crossed out because they didn't use it. But during Dennis's song, I posted that up there so people can read through the through that ah. as Dennis was singing if they wanted to. And usually I just show pictures of Dennis. But in that case, I thought, oh, here, here's a great timing to, to show that. And Dennis, for that particular episode, sang really late in the episode towards the end. So it was right around that time when that, that was coming on. That's anyway. fabulous. So, yeah, it's just fun. It, I, I just love that you can read through this. I after I, after I create this thing, it takes me hours. Sometimes I'll go through and I'll, I'll listen to it again and watch through and read the script because I, I just enjoy doing that so much. But anyway, so I hope some folks are enjoying that. I definitely they are. Well, thank you. I, I'm going to um, I, I will be uh, thanking you liberally in my class this fall because I want to <laughs> make some of those available to my 18 year olds. That'd be to, great. To help them 
understand what's going on. So it's a fabulous resource. Because uh, because that work I do benefits so many of the 50 people that actually watch it. <laughs> well, I'll have two, I'll have 200. So your audience will like quint we'll, quint we'll increase. That's great. Oh, and I never, ever do this. I've never done this before, but I'll do this right now. I am, I am so close. I, I met, I, I think I met, 590 subscribers or something. So if you hit subscribe, that would be wonderful. If you'd hit subscribe on, on my YouTube channel, I'd like to get it up above 600. And, uh, and, and the little bell thing, I think if you click on that, it'll actually send you reminders when I post new videos and things. But I was driving me nuts when everybody does this on YouTube, they, they do it like every single video they post. And I'm like, I told myself, I'm not going to do that. But I figured, once a season, I can do that. So anyway, so please do that. Subscribe. And uh, thank you to to Vincent. Thank you, John. Thank you, Kathy. You guys, it's so great having you here. And it's so great to talk about this stuff. And the fact that each one of us covers a different facet of it, it just makes it uh, a fun presentation. So anyway, enjoy the show and we'll see you all next time. The Jack Benny Program, presented by Lucky Strike. LSMFT. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Listen. Season after season, I've seen the makers of Lucky Strike buy tobacco that can't be beat for real smoking quality. Tobacco auctioneer Brian Williams said that. I've seen the makers of Lucky Strike buy fine, ripe tobacco that makes a swell smoke. I've smoked Lucky's myself 29 years. Tobacco warehouseman Frank Brown said that. Yes, at auction after auction, independent tobacco experts can see the makers of Lucky Strike consistently select and buy that fine, that light, that naturally mild tobacco. Remember, LSMFT, Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. And fine tobacco means real deep down smoking enjoyment for you. So smoke that smoke of fine tobacco, Lucky Strike. So round, so firm, so fully packed. So free and easy on the draw. Broadcasting from Chicago, the Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny. With Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, Dennis Day, and pinch hitting for Don Wilson, Norman Barry. Gentlemen, my name is Norman Berry, and I'm substituting for Don Wilson. It is my job to introduce that scintillating star of stage, screen, and radio. But how can a star of such magnitude be introduced properly by such an insignificant person as I? I would have said me, but I guess uh, insignificant people say I. Uh, continue, Norman. Continue. But I'll try anyway. Ladies and gentlemen, here he is, Jack Benny. Thank you, thank you. This is Jack Benny talking. Very hoarsely, of course. I'm doing eight shows a day, you know. And Mr. Barry, or may I call you Norman, I want to congratulate you on being selected as my announcer here in Chicago. Well, seriously, Jack, I want to thank you for the privilege. Oh, don't thank me. After all, I sent questionnaires to every announcer in Chicago. And when I opened yours, I knew you were the man for me. Jack, you mean I answered all 20 questions correctly? Norm, when you answered question number one by saying money isn't everything, I didn't bother reading the rest. <laughs> you were meant for me. 
Well, Jack, this is odd, my taking Don Wilson's place. You know, I've known Don for about two years, but I've seen very little of him. Well, don't feel bad, Norm. He's worked for me 14 years, and I haven't seen all of them myself. <laughs> but anyway, Norm, I'm really glad to be back in Chicago. Say, Jack, I know you're appearing on the stage at the Chicago Theater. How is the show coming? Wonderful, now that I've changed it a little bit. You see, on my opening show Friday, I thought of a great gag. I wanted to make sure of a big laugh, so when I made my entrance... I walked out on the stage wearing galoshes, a heavy wool suit, a sweater, mittens, earmuffs, and a big raccoon coat. And did the audience laugh at that? Why should they? With the weather we had, they were dressed the same way. <laughs> Believe me, Norman, if Sally Rand were booked into Chicago this week, she'd have to do her balloon dance with hot water bottles. <laughs> Not bad, is it? There you Oh, of course, anything I say now is gravy after those shows and... But anyway, Norman, I think we have a swell show at the Chicago Theater A great cast Phil Harris, Rochester, Marjorie Reynolds, the Sportsman Quartet, and Herman Humpeldinker Wait a minute, who is Herman Humpeldinker? He's the guy who runs the spotlight If I don't mention him, I work in the dark all week <laughs> Anyway, Norman, it's really a pleasure playing in front of these Chicagoans Because you should have seen the welcome I got at the station Oh, hello, Mary Hello, Jack How are you? Well, Jack, it certainly has been an exciting week, hasn't it? It certainly has But you don't look any the worse for it, Mary That's a mighty pretty dress you're wearing Well, thanks But why have you got those lead weights on the bottom of your skirt? This your first trip to the Windy City, bub? <laughs> Oh, Mary, it isn't so windy here. It isn't, eh? Then why are you wearing those bicycle clips? Because I catch cold easily, that's why. Remember what happened the last time I was in Chicago? I had a cold in my chest. I had a temperature of 99. 99? Jack, you didn't have much of a cold. He hasn't got much of a chest. <laughs> well, we're even. You haven't got much of a joke. <laughs> By the way, Mary, this is Norman Barry. Hello, Norman. Hello, Mary. You know, Norman is taking Don Wilson's place for this week. That reminds me, Jack. I haven't said anything about salary. When you get it, you'll say plenty. <laughs> oh, I don't know. It usually leaves him speechless, you know. But anyway, Norman... Pardon me, Jack. Yeah. See, Mary, I know we've just met and all, but if you're not doing anything tonight, I'd like to take you around and show you Chicago. Oh, I'd love it. We'll go to the beachcombers, the pump room, the college inn, the trade winds, and the chaperie. Oh, that'll be really swell. Mary, I took you to those very same places last night. I know, but now I'd like to see them from the inside. <laughs> I'm sure you and Norman will make a very lovely couple. You know, Mary, just before you came in, you mind if I lean on you a little? Just before you came in, I started to tell Norman about the welcome I got when I arrived at the station. Oh, that reminds me, Jack. You ever find the suitcase you lost? Not yet, Mary, but they're looking for it. You know? Well, Jack, what about this welcome you got at the station? Norm, it brings tears to my eyes every time I think about it. Why? What happened? They, 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 they threw tear cats. <laughs> <laughs> I know we would have missed the next show at the Chicago Theater. <laughs> Such a wonderful joke. <laughs> huh? You nervous? Yeah. I don't know. Well, what are you talking about? One little bomb. She makes a big thing out of it, you know? Anyway, Norman, 5,000 people met me at the station. I wanted to show them I was in the spirit of the occasion, so I suggested that I lead him in a conga line. And, Norman, it was wonderful. One single line, two miles long. 
One, two, three, kick. One, two, three, kick. A conga line two miles long. For heaven's sake, Jack, where did they lead them? Right to the box office of the Chicago Theater. <laughs> it was just a coincidence. Anyway, I'm not surprised that they love me so much in Chicago. After all, it's so close to my hometown and Waukegan. Say, Norm, what do the people here in Chicago think of Waukegan? Well, you know how it is, Mary. Every state has to have its cucamonga. <laughs> Now, wait a minute, Norman. Wonder, uh, Waukegan is a wonderful town. I'm not saying that just because I own... I mean, because I'm their favorite son. But only three weeks ago, Waukegan named a street after me. Benny Boulevard? No, Shlemiel Parkway. <laughs> Mary, it's not Parkway, it's Avenue. <laughs> Shlemiel Avenue. <laughs> you can't say nice things about me. Make something up. After all, you don't... don't... Come in! Mr. Benny, I'm from the Lost and Found Department of the Santa Fe Railroad. You're also one of my writers. Good, good. I'm glad you got here. I haven't been able to sleep for three days. Give me that suitcase. Not yet, bud. You gotta identify the contents. Well, there's a white shirt, blue shorts, a green dressing gown, brown shoes. Now, give me the bag. Wait a minute. What color is the teddy bear? <laughs> it's not a teddy bear. It's a panda. Now, oh. give me that bag. All right, but I'm afraid you're gonna be cold here in Chicago. Why? When I opened your suitcase, I ripped the panels off your flannels. Oh, get out of here, will you? Jack, why do you always bring that panda on trips with you? Because most hotel rooms have twin beds, and I hate to sleep alone. Anyway, I think that they... <laughs> what are you laughing at, Mary? Oh, never forget the time the hotel detective knocked on Jack's door and the panda jumped out the window. <laughs> oh, stop making things up. Every time we oh, come... Oh, hello, Mr. Benny. Oh, hello, Dennis. How are you? Hey, Dennis, do you notice we have a new announcer? That's Mary. The other one is the announcer. Oh. Uh, Dennis, shake hands with Norman Barry. Hello, Dennis. Hello. Mr. Benny, what happened to Don Wilson? Oh, we had to leave him at home. Gee, I'm not surprised. The last time I saw him, he was in the drugstore and he was having trouble with his stomach. Trouble with his stomach? Yeah, he couldn't get it in the phone booth. <laughs> what? He barely got it in the drugstore. Dennis, stop being so silly. Tell me, where are you living? Oh, I didn't get a room yet. You didn't get a hotel room yet? Where'd you go when you got off the train? Oh, some jerk started a conga line and I wound up in the Chicago Theater. <laughs> oh. One, two, three, kick. One, two, three, kick. Never mind, never mind. Norman, you saw my stage show. How did you like it? Well, I couldn't see very well. I sat in back of a fat man. Well, I couldn't see either, Jack. The man in front of me was too tall. Oh, I could see swell. I sat behind a man with a hole in his head. <laughs> oh, for hell. I don't know where you get those wild ideas, sitting behind a man with a hole in his head. Now, go and do your song. Okay, hold my brace and bit. Now, cut that out. <laughs> Come on, let's have your song, Dennis, will you? Sometimes in the hush of the evening hour When shadows creep from the west I think of the twilight songs you sang And the boy you loved to rest The wee 
Mother of mine sung by Phil Harris. I mean, Dennis Day. Gee, I'm sorry, you, folks. If Clem McCarthy can make a mistake, so can I. <laughs> At least I know Jet Pilot wasn't singing. That I know. <laughs> Dennis, that was swell. Well, huh? thanks. Say, Mr. Benny, can I leave now? I've got a lot of things to do. First, I want to make sure the hotel got me a room with twin beds. Dennis, you're all by yourself. Why do you need a room with twin beds? I've got two shows. Oh, oh. <laughs> Well, Dennis, how do you like it here in Chicago? Oh, it's swell. It's different from the last time I was here. You know, I heard about their new subway, so I tried it out yesterday. Pretty good, isn't it, Dennis? Yeah, but it took me a long time to get from one station to the other. A long time? Why, did something happen to the train? Oh, train! <laughs> That brazen bit. I just want to look in his head and see what goes on in there. That's all. Say, Mr. Benny, do you think you can get me a pass so I can see your show again? Well, I don't know, Dennis. I don't want to ask the manager for any favors. I had a little argument with him. Oh, Jack, you always have trouble. Well, this time it wasn't my fault. You ought to see the crummy dressing room they gave me. Looks terrible with those pipes running across the ceiling. But, Jack, lots of rooms have pipes running through them. Sewer pipes? <laughs> Those kids, I wish they'd stop lifting that manhole cover and asking me for my autograph. Jack, what picture's playing with you at the theater? It's called Easy Come, Easy Go. Oh. <laughs> Remember when they played the horn blows at midnight here? Yeah, yeah. That's the week they had the sign in the box office. Please help yourself. The cashier hasn't got the heart to sell them. Stop kidding, will you? That picture did plenty of... Come in. Hello, Mr. Benny. Mr. Kissel, I thought you were on your way to New York. What are you doing here? Well, I stopped here to see the Chicago World's Fair. <laughs> well, Mr. Kissel, the fair was held in 1933. I couldn't afford it then. <laughs> oh, well, are you enjoying your visit here in Chicago? <laughs> Am I enjoying... <laughs> Yesterday, I took an airplane ride and flew over the Great Lakes. The Great Lakes, all five of them? Yes, yes, Lake Michigan, Lake Huron, Lake Erie, Lake Ontario, and Lake Shapiro. Lake Superior. They got six of them? No. 
No, no, Mr. Kitzel, you made a mistake. You see, there are only five lakes, but it's not Lake Shapiro. It's Lake Superior. Oh, could be. Yes, yes. Well, Mr. Kitzel, where are you staying here in Chicago? I'm staying with relatives. Oh, on your side or your wife's side? On the south side. Oh. <laughs> well, anyway, Mr. Kitzel, as long as you have a little time... <coughs> Why don't you sit down and enjoy the show? Oh, thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Oh, say, Mary, would you do me... Would you do me a favor and, uh... Hiya, Jackson. Hi, kid. Hello, Phil. Make me know it, you pretty dubs, you. That's what I love about Chicago, Jackson. There he is, folks. Hollywood's answer to Swift and Armor. <laughs> yeah, and tenderized, too. Well, I'm glad you admit it, Phil. Oh, brother, you're the most conceited guy I've ever seen. Now, wait a minute, Jackson. I ain't so conceited. You're not. A, you were the inspiration for that song, Aren't You Glad You're You. Oh, Jack, stop picking on Phil. I think he's a change man. Oh, sure, sure. Well, yesterday I saw him pour 38 cases of bourbon in the lake. Phil, you did that? I mean, have you given up drinking? No, but the breeze comes from the lake, and I like to sleep with my window open. <laughs> oh, so that explains it. Explains what? This morning I got up, opened the window, took my deep breathing exercises, and fell flat on my face. Anyway, fool, I mean, Phil, don't you ever think of, fi of the finer things in life? Are you kidding? I'm married to one of them. Besides her! Oh. I mean, artistic things like, well, like museums and art galleries. You know, where you can see paintings and masterpieces. Look, Jackson, I know all about these paintings and all those great artists. This may surprise you, but I do a little painting myself. You do? Certainly. Well, tell me, Phil, there are a lot of great artists like Van Gogh, Picasso, Cezanne, Matisse. I mean, when you paint, whose style do you follow? Rembrandt. Rembrandt Phil, that's Rembrandt You mix your paint And I'll mix mine Let's cut out all this nonsense Get serious for a minute After all, today is Mother's Day You're right, Jack And this morning I sent my mother A big box of candy With a card saying Happy Mother's Day That was very sweet, Mary I sent my mother A big bouquet of flowers And a card on it That said Gesundheit Gesundheit? She's got hay fever Oh, oh Mother's Day is nothing to sneeze at Dennis, stop that Can't we be serious for one minute? Oh, say, Jack Yes, Norman Since I'm pinch-hitting for Don Wilson today I took the liberty of rehearsing your quartet In a number that I'm sure you'll like to hear Especially today My quartet? Hmm Well, Norman, what's this number they've been rehearsing for oh, today? Very, very good. Take it, fellas. Hell is for that light, that mild tobacco. S is for the smoke that really clicks. Oh, how it clicks. M is for the millions Oops. who buy F is Effie Boone and Speedy Ricks. That's Riggs. He'll sue me. T means that they're tried and true and toasted. And on the draw, they're always nice and free. So nice, nice and free. <laughs> Put them all together. They spell a word that means the world to me. 
good. And now for... L is for that light I said that was very good. We don't need it. The pack was so attractive. F is for the... Look, boys, I said it was nice the way you did it. Lucky fellow, wait a minute. Look, boys. F is for the many, many... That is for all of you. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute! Fellas, get back in your crate. Hey, Jackson, uh, did you straighten out your beef with Mr. Platt, the manager of the theater? No, I'm expecting him to call. When he does, I'll tell him plenty. Imagine him giving me a scintillating star a dressing room like that. Well, Jack, what are you complaining about? Why, when Fred Allen played the Chicago Theater, he was happy in that room. You mean Fred Allen was in the, that same dressing room? Yes. All the time I've been blaming the stockyards. <laughs> You know, they're very careless backstage. Uh, during the last show, while I was doing my monologue, a heavy sandbag fell from the rafters and missed me by three inches. Only three inches. I can't understand it. Neither can I. That stage hand used to be a bombardier. <laughs> yeah. You know, I ought to do something about that. Hey, uh, uh, excuse me a minute. Uh, I want to see my musicians about that song that Al Jolson is going to do on the program next week. I'll be uh, back. Okay, Phil. Go right ahead. Hey, Mr. Benny, are you really going to have Al Jolson as your guest star next week? That's right. Al Jolson is going to be on our program. Gee, I like him. You do, kid? Yeah, especially when he sings... When April showers may come your way, they bring the flowers on them flowers. All right, Dennis, that, that should be the Oh, Mammy, Mammy, I'm coming well, to you. But, Dennis, we don't need that. Look, Dennis. I signed a contract with Jolson for $5,000. Now I find out Dennis can do it. <laughs> they won't even pay me that much when I open at the Roxy Theater in New York. Yes, folks, the Roxy Theater on Wednesday, the 21st of May. Anybody wishing a Well, I'm glad that? you got into it. <laughs> Mary starts any place. You know, when she feels like talking, she talks. Anybody wishing a free pass to see Jack Benny the Roxy? Just right. Why I like Jack Benny on, on a ten dollar bill, bill and send it, it in. in. Very good. Look, Mary, don't be so silly. Come in. Hello, Jack. May I come in? Oh yes, ladies and gentlemen, Marjorie Reynolds. Marjorie, I thought you were swell in Jack's stage show. Well, thank you, Mary. Yes, Marjorie, you're terrific. Do you want to see me about something? Oh, yes, Jack. Uh, when we do that long kissing scene, I wish you wouldn't wear your thick glasses. Not wear my glasses? Why? In the last show, the spotlight hit them and burned a hole in my dress. <laughs> oh, well, I'll tell Herman Humpeldinker to watch that. <laughs> and another thing, Jack, what? if you insist on putting your arms around me when you kiss me, do you mind if I don't wear that backless evening gown? Oh, you found out about old clammy hands. <laughs> Mary, Marjorie, you wear your backless evening gown. It looks better. I'll wear gloves. And another thing, Marjorie, <laughs> I'm sure that my kiss will be much better from now on. You see, the first show, I was a little bit nervous. Nervous? Yeah, I put the lipstick on my violin bow and the rosin on my lips. <laughs> Natural mistake, you know. Typhus couldn't have kissed better. Marjorie, there's one thing, though, one other thing I want to talk to you about the stage show. When you finish the act, why do you just bow to me and then go over and kiss all the musicians? This is Petrillo's hometown. Oh! <laughs> yeah, forget, sister, I got a union card. Say, Marjorie, sometime this week, why don't you do one of those songs you did in that picture, Holiday Inn? Yeah, that's a good idea. You know, Marjorie, you were wonderful in those numbers with Bing Crosby. Well, I enjoyed making that picture. Bing is wonderful. He, he's so unpredictable. You never know what he's going to say next. I know. I had him on my program. 
Uh, Crosby is really a great guy. In fact, I Hey, think... Jackson, if it's okay with you, do you mind if I run along and... Ouch, you beautiful blonde creature, you. <laughs> Me? Oh, yeah. Bill, Bill, stop staring oh, at Oh, hubba, 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 and eccentric, eccentric. That's et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> now, Phil, you've been so busy, I haven't had a chance to introduce you formally. This is Marjorie Reynolds. Oh, brother, now I know what they mean by the Reynolds bombshell. Yes, this <laughs> is well, thank you, Mr. Harris. Hey, look, baby, call me Phil. We can save an hour that way. <laughs> Phil, don't be so... Jack, why don't you just sit back and take notes? Mary, I... <laughs> Mary, I need Phil's help like a moose needs a hat rack. Believe me. <laughs> Can't understand it. Doesn't get a laugh. Norman Krasner loves that joke. <laughs> Get the laugh. Hey, you know something, Margie? When I seen you in Holiday Inn with Bing Crosby and Fred Astaire, I knew you had possibilities. Oh, thank you. It was nice working with Fred and Bing. They're both so talented. Yeah, I know what you mean. I got a little of both of them in me. <laughs> Phil, why don't you go jump in Lake Shapiro? <laughs> hey, there's the phone. It's supposed to ring now, anyway. <laughs> ling a ling a ling a ling a ling a ling. I'll get it. Hello? Hello, Mr. Bailey. This is Roger. I knew the phone was supposed to Rochester can do nine shows a day. With his voice, you can't tell the difference. <laughs> Rochester, where have you been? I expected to hear from you an hour ago. I'm sorry, boss, but I ran into a little trouble. We ain't living at the Ambassador Hotel anymore. Why not? Uh, no, the manager made me take your trailer out of the lobby. <laughs> Gee, we brought it all the way from the coast on the back of the chief. Don't worry, boss. I got everything fixed. I moved the trailer to a much better location. And what a beautiful view. Good, good. Where'd you move the trailer to? To the grandstand of the Sportsman's Park. <laughs> oh, fine. A racetrack. I'm going to love that. Well, I, I've been kind of thinking it over, boss, and uh, maybe it would be better if you got yourself a hotel room. Why, what about my trailer? I lost that in the fifth race. <laughs> oh, stop being funny. Did you get me all the things I wanted for my stage show? You know, my makeup? Uh-huh. You sure you got me everything? My lipstick, eyebrow pencil, powder, mascara, rouge, and eyeshadow? Yes, sir. And, boss, you certainly do a wonderful job with your makeup. You think so? Yeah. Only an expert can tell where you end and Lady Esther begins. <laughs> Rochester, don't worry about my makeup. You don't look so hot on that stage with the outfit you've been wearing. Green pants, yellow shoes, red socks, purple shirt, and a pink tie. My trunk didn't come, so I had to wear my street clothes. <laughs> no. I'm going to hang up now, boss, and if you're smart, you'll hurry over to the theater and do your stage show right away. Why? Well, uh, the, the house is packed and the people are in a jovial mood. They're in high spirits, laughing, happy, singing. It's just like New Year's Eve. Gee, what happened? I opened the side door and there's a 90-proof breeze coming in from the lake. <laughs> well, keep the door open. I'll be right over. Come on, Phil. we better get there before the wind changes. Jack will be back in just a minute, but first, here is Basil Rysdale. As you listen to the chant of the tobacco auctioneer, remember, 
L-S-M-F-T. American. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. And fine tobacco is what counts in a cigarette. When it comes to fine tobacco, Mr. John Pinnocks of Reedsville, North Carolina, speaks with authority. He has had 28 years' experience as a tobacco warehouseman, and he said... At all the auctions I've attended, I've seen the makers of Lucky Strike buy fine tobacco that makes a mild, mellow smoke. That's why, for 28 years, I've been a Lucky Strike smoker. 28 years in the tobacco business. 28 years a Lucky Strike smoker. That's the record of John Pinnock's tobacco expert. So for your own deep-down smoking enjoyment, remember... L-S-M-F-T. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Year in, year out. L-S-M-F-T. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. So smoke that smoke of fine tobacco, Lucky Strike. So round, so firm, so fully packed. So free and easy on the draw. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be playing here at the Chicago Theater until Friday. Next Sunday, we'll be broadcasting to you from New York City. And a week from Wednesday, we'll be opening at the Roxy Theater in New York. Say, Mary, you've seen the stage show a couple of times. What do you think of it? Well, it's a great show till you start playing your violin. What's wrong with my violin playing? You hold your bow too close to the strings. But, Mary, wait a minute. If the bow doesn't touch the strings, you wouldn't be able to hear it. Don't be so smart. (laughs) Good night, folks. This is NBC, the national... Again, this is Buck Benning speaking. Welcome to another episode of the 1936-1937 season of the Jack Benny Show. Today's episode will be a fun one for you. Uh, deals a little bit with Mother's Day, so don't forget that uh, Mother's Day is coming up. Uh, I just love how these episodes all tie into whatever season we're going through. That's always fun. And uh, I hope you enjoy this episode and that you tuned in on... Uh, last Wednesday for our presentation of the 80th anniversary of the very, very first Jack Benny show. Uh, for those of you who tuned into it, it may have surprised you to all of a sudden get a Jack Benny interview, but after I recorded the podcast, I thought, ah, I still need to do a little more here. And then I remembered uh, uh, someone had requested the Jack Benny interview with Chuck Shaden. And I decided, well, this is a good time to bring that. And I remember the beginning of it talked quite a bit about Jack's early career in radio. And so I thought it would be a great time to bring that. Plus, um, something I've never seen anybody else mention that I discovered was the um, the whole section about the behind-the-mic uh, radio show in which there was a piece where uh, Jack was interviewed by Don for his 10th anniversary, and he uh, recreates his very first appearance on a radio uh, before he even had a radio show, which was on the Ed Sullivan Show, and I'm just so delighted we could have brought that to you on Wednesday as well, because... Um, Everybody has always thought that to be lost, that whole script and the original recording of it, and so no one knew what takes place there. But Jack reads verbatim what his um, appearance was in the Ed Sullivan show. So it's neat that we have that preserved, because uh, when he's being interviewed by Chuck Shaden in 1970, he can't remember uh, much of how it went at all. And so to actually have it preserved is a wonderful thing. Uh, Anyway, 
uh, if you haven't listened to that show on Wednesday, listen to that from five years earlier than these episodes even. And uh, enjoy this episode tonight, and we'll see you next time. The Jell-O program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston and Phil Harris and his orchestra. The orchestra opens the program with your number one on my love parade. Colors are the keynote of the season, for color always adds a touch of gaiety and charm to any occasion. That's why a great shimmering mold of colorful jello adds a festive note to your table. For jello's colors are so attractive clear shades of cool green, golden orange, and yellow. And jello's flavors are so delicious and truly refreshing as the luscious ripe fruit itself. You're sure to like jello plain, and you'll like it with whipped cream or fresh fruit or in an appetizing salad. So serve gay, colorful Jell-O soon. Whether you serve it as a dessert or as a salad, be sure you get the real thing. Genuine Jell-O. Look for the big red letters on the box. They spell Jell-O. gentlemen, if you don't feel like taking a walk or going to a movie and you're not in the mood for a nap, that is, if you haven't anything else to do, you might as well listen to Jack Benny. Hello again, this is Jack Benny, your last resort speaking. And thanks, Don, for that big buildup. I hope you do a better job selling Jell-O tonight than you did selling me. I will. Imagine introducing me that way. I know I'm better than taking a walk. <laughs> well, uh, Jack, Jack, there's a lot of exercise in walking, and besides, it's strenuous. Oh, I suppose listening to me isn't hard work. You get plenty of exercise turning the dial and throwing books at the radio. And listen, folks, if you want to go to the movies, go ahead. I hope you lose the bank night. <laughs> What's wrong, Jack? Well, when Don introduced me tonight, he practically advised people to go to the movies instead of listening to me. Don't worry, it might be your picture and they'll run right back to the radio. <laughs> Is that so? Now listen, Phil. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Hmm. Phil, if this wasn't Mother's Day, I'd punch you right in the nose. If you do, you won't come to till Father's Day. <laughs> Looks like I'm in for a rest. <laughs> oh, well, that's life. Uh, what do we talk about tonight, Don? Why not talk about Mother's Day? All the other programs are doing it. Oh, of course. Who are we to be original? <laughs> well, Don, uh, what did you get uh, for your mother today? I got her a box of candy, a box of flowers, and a box of jello. Well, three smart boxes. <laughs> uh, why'd you mention jello last? Oh, uh, just building up suspense. Why, you little suspense builder. Oh, hello, Mary. Hello, Jack. What are you talking about? Now, what would I be talking about today? Uh, you mean besides yourself? 
Yeah. <laughs> We're talking about Mother's Day, and you better be prepared. What did you do for your Mother's Day, Mary? I sent my father $10. You sent your father $10 on Mother's Day? Don't worry, he'll get it. <laughs> well, that's silly. Now, why didn't you send it direct to your mother? Oh, she has more fun picking father's pockets. She has, well. Does your father, does your father ever suspect anything? Does he? Last year, he didn't take his pants off for a week. <laughs> Mary, Mary laughed ahead of time. She knew the joke was funny. <laughs> Say, Jack, uh, not changing the subject, but uh, uh, how did you do on the Kentucky Derby? Not changing the subject? <laughs> Why, Phil, all my life I've heard subjects change, but never in such a crude fashion. Imagine changing a subject from Mother's Day to the Kentucky Derby. Well, my mother's from Kentucky. Oh, and I suppose your father wears a derby. <laughs> well, that fits. It does not. It comes clear down over his ears. <laughs> well, let's drop it. What'd you ask me, Phil? I said, did you win anything in the derby yesterday? No, no, I wasn't very lucky. I had two dollars on, uh, I say I had, I, I mean our syndicate. <laughs> uh, we had two dollars on Sunset Trail. Sunset Trail, huh? Yeah, I had two dollars right on his nose. I guess that extra weight held him back. If you'd have put one of your checks on his nose, he'd have bounced in first. Yeah, <laughs> my own fault. That horse must be a fugitive from a merry-go-round. Hello, Jack. Oh, hello, Kenny. Say, Jack, do me a favor, will you? Ask what? me what day this is. All right, Kenny, what day is this? It's Mother's Day! Why, Kenny! Kenny, that's marvelous. How did you know it was Mother's Day? I've been saying it every Sunday, and today I was right. <laughs> Well, well, what'd you do for your mother today, Kenny? Oh, tonight I'm going to take her out to dinner and a movie, and then we're going to have some ice cream, and it isn't going to cost her a cent. Well, that's sweet. Send me five dollars, will you, Dad? <laughs> no, it's not going to cost me a cent either. Hmm, some chivalry. Well, Kenny, if I'd have won the derby yesterday, I'd have been glad to help you out. Answer the phone, Mary. Hello? Yes? 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 Thank you, I'll tell him. Oh, Jack! What is it, Mary? Your horse just came in. Wow, I knew he'd come through. That book, Benny Luck, never fails. Play, Phil! Very good, Phil, but I did notice that, uh, well, maybe it's because it's getting towards the end of the season, 
But I did notice that several of the boys showed a very careless attitude during the number. I mean, they weren't on the alert. Oh, they're always that way when they're rehearsing. <laughs> rehearsing? Why, Phil, we're on the air. I told you guys that. They talked me out of it. <laughs> oh, they did. Well, what are you, a man or a moose? <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's pretty good <laughs> Yeah, but you sprained your brain on that one. Oh, well, let me tell you something Jack, don't start trouble with Phil again Yeah, especially on Mother's Day Listen, Kenny, I don't want to disillusion you, but get this Phil is not a mother <laughs> I told Mary that, but she talked me out of it <laughs> Oh, Kenny, don't be so gullible I'm not gullible. You are, too, isn't he, Mary? Yeah, he eats like a horse. <laughs> oh, what I go through for radio. And now, ladies and gents, in an effort to bring real art into the homes of America, and also to pay tribute to the mothers of the nation, tonight we will, uh... Come in. Telegram for Jack Benny. Oh, here, bud. Bud, my name is Stoopnagel. Well, give me the wire and get back to your own program. You meet the freshest people in this business. Uh, who's it from, Jack? You read it. I forgot to have my glasses washed. Okay. Uh, Jack Benny, NBC Studio, Hollywood. Dear Kerr. Let me see that. <laughs> That's Sir, not Kerr. You can't fool Western Union. Oh, go ahead, read it. Uh, dear Sir, this wire comes from one of your real fans. I am a mother and have six children. Stop. <laughs> uh, they listen to your broadcast and imitate everything you do. Well. Now, here's my problem. My children refuse to go to school. But if you did a schoolroom play and set them a good example, I'm sure they would change their mind. Do not fail me. Yours truly, Mrs. Otis Elevator, Ups and Downs, Kentucky. <laughs> is a touching wire. What are you going to do about it, Jack? What? What are you well, going to do about it? <laughs> naturally, we're going to take care of this request. We can't turn down a mother on a day like this. So tonight, folks, as a special favor, we will present an original schoolroom drama entitled The Bump on Teacher's Head, or Who Threw That Death? Inasmuch as I am the nominal head of this program, I will be the teacher. And I'll throw the desk. Phil, that's just the title. Nobody's going to throw any dead. Oh, no? Wait till we get rolling. <laughs> Phil, you have a wee dash of the heel in you tonight. <laughs> What's the matter with you, anyway? Well, I don't see why you always grab the best parts. I want to be the teacher. Oh, you do, eh? Well, I'll be the teacher. And that settles it. Come in. Well, well. Hello, Jig Benny. Oh, hello, Patsy. Hey, I haven't seen you in a long time. Well, I'm an individual who keeps busy. Yeah, well, what are you doing these days, Patsy? What am I doing is asking. I'm a lifeguard. A lifeguard? Well, how are you making out? Fine. I was saved three times yesterday. <laughs> well, you're some lifeguard. Why don't you learn to swim? Hey, it's only a summer job. Oh, well, I don't blame you, then. 
But, Patsy, you're just in time. We're going to do a little schoolroom play tonight, sort of uh, reminisce, you know. Naturally. Of course. Yes. Uh, would you like to, uh... Bob? Would you like to join us and go back to your little old schoolhouse? I wouldn't get on that boat again for a million dollars. I mean in this country. You want to join us? Okay, but on one condition. What's that? If the teacher keeps me after school. Well, I'm going to be the teacher. Drop the condition. And we're all set. We'll do it right after Kenny's song. Are you ready, Kenny? Yeah, my mouth open and everything. Fine, notify your tonsils and go ahead. Sing, Kenny. <laughs> Loving you was all that really mattered Don't know why you ever went away Even though my every dream is shattered I keep hoping you'll come back someday by Master Kenny Baker, who doesn't know. But really, Kenny, it was very melodious. Can I close my mouth now? Yes. <laughs> Not so loud next time. And now, folks, the time has come for our school play. Are you excited? Ah, friends, picture your little red schoolhouse. Of course, if you went to a green one, don't repaint it just for this broadcast. Let's go. Curtain. Music. Come and get it, come and get it. Get your red-hot education here. You can't tell one subject from another without a textbook. Come and get it. Good morning, children. Come to order, kiddies. I will now call the roll. Don Wilson. Here. Mary Livingston. Present. Phil Harris. 
Now, Phil, don't be a sore loser. Kenny Baker. Here, teacher. I brought you a nice rosy apple. Well, thank you, Kenny. That was very thoughtful. Save me the core. I will. Andy Devine. Hiya, Buck! Well, Andy, I didn't recognize you with those curls. Huh, I am kind of pretty, ain't I? Yeah. Patsy Flick. Here, teacher. I brought you a nice rosy herring. A herring? Save me the car. Mary. Jean Arthur. Here. Arthur Jean. Here. Jean Harlow. Jean Harlow. She's not here. Shucks, and I wanted to keep her after school. <laughs> Man Mountain Dean. <clears throat> Gypsy Rose Lee. Wow! Fred Allen. I'm a New York. Hmm. War Admiral. <laughs> our children will have our usual morning exercises. Will all the boys get on the floor and stand on their heads? What do we do? Quiet. Come on, boys. Be as quiet as possible. Andy. Andy, why aren't you standing on your head? I ain't gonna reroute my blood just for one gag. <laughs> Now, back to your seats, everybody. <laughs> now, first, we'll take up our arithmetic. Mary Livingston. Yes, teacher. How much is three times three? Twelve. That's correct. It is not. <laughs> oh. Well, I'll find out. Kenny Baker, how much is three times three? Six. Wrong. Three times three is nine. Well, I'm still standing on my head. Oh, then you're right. <laughs> Patsy Flick. Yes, Poopsie. Here's a rather... Don't Poopsie the teacher. There. Here's a rather <laughs> difficult question. <laughs> <laughs> if stocking... <laughs> if stockings cost 50 cents a pair and you have $2, how many hairs... How many... <laughs> Again, the question, please. Patsy. <laughs> if stockings cost 50 cents a pair and you had $2, how many pairs could you buy? Wholesale or retail? Retail. I'm not interested. It's <laughs> a fine answer. Ouch! Who hit me with that spitball? I did. I'll learn you to be teacher. Oh, you will, eh? Well, you stay after school, Phil. It's a date. <laughs> a fine romance. Quiet. Now, Donald, Donald. <laughs> Not Donald Duck, our Donald. <laughs> yes, teacher. Donald, let me hear you recite the alphabet. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, E, L, L, O. Correct. And what are the colors of the rainbow? Strawberry, raspberry, cherry, orange, lemon, and lime. That's right. What do you find at the end of the rainbow? A dish of jello. Hooray! <laughs> Donald, you're twice as sharp as ever before. Look for the big red letters on his report card. Yes. Now, Andy, Andy Devine. Letter flicker, Buck. Now, if your hen, now get this, if your hen laid an egg a day for seven days, what would you have at the end of the week? Stew chicken. Stew chicken, why? She ain't laying. Oh, well, now let me put it this way. Supposing your hen changed her mind and did lay an egg a day for seven days, what would you have? I'd still have stewed chicken. Why? 
Because I ain't got no gratitude. <laughs> well, neither have I. Save me a drumstick. Ow, Phil Harris, why do you keep hitting me with those spitballs? You got a face like a target. I have not. Those are just circles under my eyes. Well, they go clear around. Hmm, it's a fine schoolroom. Candy, peanuts, popcorn, and slingshots. Candy, peanuts, Patty. popcorn. Patty, get back to your seat. You're a student here. Quiet. I got a sideline. Well, you better have an answer, too. Did you study your history lesson? Yes, Peter Pie. All right. Who said, give me liberty or give me death? My uncle. Your uncle? Why? You should see my aunt. <laughs> Maybe you're right. Now, Mary. Yes, teacher? Tell me, who was the father of our country? Uh, well, uh, uh... Now, I'll give you a clue. Who threw a dollar across the Potomac? <laughs> Mary, who threw a dollar across the Potomac? Nobody on this program. <laughs> this is exasperating. Kenny Baker, you tell me, who was the father of our country? Uh... Come uh... on, now. The father of our country was George... George Olson. That's fine, George Olson. Then who was the mother? Ethel Chate. Well, that clears that up. <laughs> now, children, we will take up our spelling. Teacher, oh, teacher! What is it, Andy? Patsy Blake Pike is chewing gum in my curl. Patsy, why did you put gum in Andy's hair? He put ham in my lunch box. <laughs> Well, what's the matter with that? It was such a small P. <laughs> Stop this nonsense. Let's go on with our spelling. Kenny Baker, spell fog. What? Spell fog. F-I-G. I said fog. He's been in one all his life and can't spell it. <laughs> Gee, Mary, that's good. Ouch, who hit me with that spitball? I did. I gotta have some fun, too. <laughs> now, Andy, spell hippopotamus. What? Spell hippopotamus. I pass. By me. Pass. Pass. I open for two dollars. <laughs> I'll say. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> the word is hippopotamus. It's no good. You gotta have jacks or better. Mm. Mary, can you spell hippopotamus? No, and neither can you. I don't have to. I'm the teacher. Spell teacher. Quiet. Q-U-I-E-T. Very good, Kenny. Trader, he studied. Now, children, it's almost three o'clock and time to go home. So I want you all to... What's the matter, Andy? I just sat on the dunce cap. Kenny, don't leave your hat laying around. You should kick. I'm under it. Oh. Well, children, it's almost three o'clock and time to go home. So I want you all to study tonight and take your homework with you. Yes, yes teacher. teacher. Oh, teacher. What? Look what's on the blackboard. 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 Tell This is shocking. Who wrote that on the blackboard? Who wrote teacher is a loose? I did. I can't spell louse. <laughs> oh, you did, huh? Yeah, man. <laughs> well, just for that, everybody in this room will have to stay after school. Why do we all? I ain't gonna be alone with that gorilla. Teacher is a scaredy cat. Teacher is a scaredy cat. Teacher is a scaredy cat. Teacher. Hey, what am I doing? Class dismissed. Cram,
Red Hot and Blue, played by Phil Harrison as orchestra. And now, ladies and gentlemen, ouch! Phil, school is over. I had one left. Oh. <laughs> and now, ladies and gentlemen, I want to announce that next Sunday night, we are going to present the play, which you selected by a majority of votes, as the most popular sketch in our 1936 series. The winning play is Ah, Wilderness. Results are as follows. Our Wilderness, 28,643. Emperor Jones, 23,378. Charlie Chan in Radio City, 19,475. Those are votes, folks, not laughs. I also want to thank those listeners who voted for Why Girls Leave Home Way Down East and Mutiny on the Jello, which also received many requests. So next Sunday night, we will present the winner, our new version of Eugene O'Neill's masterpiece, Our Wilderness. And before the season is over, we hope to do the other two runner-ups, Emperor Jones and Charlie Chan in Radio City. And now, ladies and gentlemen, as a teaser for next week's show, we will give you one of the dramatic highlights of that outstanding play, Our Wilderness. <laughs> Very little maw. <laughs> What's that? I knew it. What? I must tell him the facts of life. This, ladies and gentlemen, is only one of the many thrilling scenes in our next week's production. Uh, but don't let that discourage you. No, play fair. It's a cinch to make grand homemade desserts nowadays. Just listen. How about ice cream? Ice cream made with jello ice cream powder. You'll be simply delighted with it. For jello ice cream powder makes rich, mellow ice cream with that old fashioned flavor. And you actually use less cream and get more ice cream. All you do is combine one package of Jell-O ice cream powder with milk and cream and sugar, and you'll have a quart and a half of smooth, really creamy ice cream. And you make it right in the freezing trays of your refrigerator. Or, if you prefer, you can use an ordinary hand freezer and get the same wonderfully smooth results. And talk about economy, why Jell-O ice cream powder makes more ice cream than most other such products on the market. So ask your grocer tomorrow for Jell-O ice cream powder. This is the last number of the 30-second program in the new Jell-O series, and we'll be with you again next Sunday night at the same time when we offer you your favorite play, Eugene O'Neill's Ah Wilderness. Jack, what's a wilderness? Well, Mary, a wilderness is a lot of trees and shrubbery, maybe a hermit or two. What's a hermit? Well, a hermit is a man who lives in the wilderness. Why? Well, because he doesn't like the city. What city? Oh, good night, folks. <laughs>
The tune I'm bubbling over is from Wake Up and Live, Where Are You From, the picture top of the town. The Jell-O program comes to you from Hollywood over the Red Network of the National Broadcasting Company.